Heavenly Father, you spoke to us words that intimidate my heart. You said, without holiness, no one will see God. And so I pray this morning that we can reconsider the nature of Christian virtue and uh, we can more and more become the people you created us to be. Grant us this grace and this wisdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. About um, five years after um, C.S. Lewis wrote, the great Devo wrote uh, Mere Christianity, he wrote another book that has fascinated people called uh, The Great Divorce. And in The Great Divorce, uh, he talks about heaven and hell in an um, allegorical way. Hell is a place where it's always twilight, it's always drizzling, and people uh, move farther and farther and farther away from each other. Uh, but every day, a bus leaves hell and goes to the front lawn of heaven. And anybody wants to can get on the bus. Uh, and so um, the narrator got on the bus one day and, and went to the front yard of heaven. And it's so bright that uh, people have a hard time adjusting to how bright it is. And it's so real, the grass feels hard and sharp. Uh, the promise is, if you stay long enough, it'll have an effect on you, and uh, it won't be so jarring to you. And then Lewis tells several things that happen. The sad thing is, by the end of the day, almost every day, everybody is back on the bus anxious to return to the gray town. Lewis said there isn't anybody in hell who doesn't choose to be there. Then he made this very, very interesting point. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to read it to you uh, because Lewis is a poet as well as an author. He said... The good man's past begins to change so that his forgiven sins and remembered sorrows take on a quality of heaven. The bad man's past already conforms to his badness and is filled only with dreariness. And that is why at the end of all things, when the sun rises permanently in heaven, and blackness falls permanently upon hell, the blessed will say, we never lived anywhere except in heaven, and the lost will say, we were always in hell, and both will be speaking truly. 
Lewis's idea is we become more and more what we truly are. He said the reason daily virtue is important is because day by day, you are either becoming more virtuous and holy and more like God, or day by day, you are becoming progressively less like God and more broken and evil. Lewis is making the point, there's no neutral. My, ev uh, my everyday actions are moving me inevitably in a direction. And if I am pursuing virtue, I'm on a pathway to become the man God wants me to be. If I'm not pursuing virtue, I have to be very, very serious with myself and say, if you stay on this pathway, where does it end? If you become more and more your worst self every day, where does that pathway end up? And that's why uh, Lewis has a whole section in his book, Mere Christianity, on Christian virtue. First of all, I want to say, it's a sad thing that we don't even talk about virtue anymore. I mean, there are very few conversations about virtue. Um, we, we rarely even talk about ethics, let alone virtue. Virtue is the idea that there are certain qualities that make the human life better. And those qualities are called virtues. So, for example, uh, um, moderation is a virtue. If I live moderately, I'm going to live a better quality of life than if I don't. Um, and the less moderately I live, the more being immoderate is normal. And where does that take me? You see? So I, wanna, I want us to speak today, I want us to think today about three Christian virtues. We're going to think about the virtue of faith, we're going to think about the virtue of forgiveness, and we're going to think about the virtue of charity. Actually, all three virtues are expressions of faith. At the core of every virtue is this idea of faith. The author of Hebrews told us in chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The virtue of faith pleases God. And the more I grow in my faith, the more pleasing I am to God. The more, the, the more, I, the more he enjoys being around me. So what does faith mean? Well, Lewis gives two definitions for faith. The first one is, it means simply belief accepting or regarding as true the doctrines of Christianity. What is faith? 
It is learning who God is and then believing that about him. Um, in our church, we take theology seriously. Uh, we have theology classes you can attend. Uh, we're always in our staff uh, uh, trying to remind ourselves about uh, the nature of God. We use the Westminster Confession definition of God, and we're always trying to remind ourselves of who God is. And the reason for that is, it is the foundation of faith. Faith knows who God is and trusts him to be that. So, uh, God is gracious. If I know God is gracious, I act in faith when I trust him to give grace. If I know God is forgiving, I have faith when I trust him to forgive me. If I know God is charitable, I have faith when I expect him to be charitable to me and I act in charity toward others. Do you see? Faith is a belief about who God is that creates an action in my life. The second definition is really more interesting. Listen what Lewis wrote. Faith in the sense in which I'm using the word is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your moods. Listen what he says. The biggest detriment to faith is not doubt. The biggest detriment to faith is these crazy moods we have. These crazy moods that make me grouchy with everyone, including God. These crazy moods that make me wonder if, if God is good or not. Lewis says faith is holding on to what you know is true about God no matter how you feel or what mood you're in. You see? Faith is holding on to what I know about God even when uh, things don't look the way I think they should look. So then there are three challenges to our faith. The first challenge is doubt, and doubt is usually based on a lack of information. Usually people doubt God because they don't have the right information about him. Um, I think it's very, very sad that many people I meet have a uh, distorted view of who God is. Who they think he is is not at all like who he really is. And because they have a distorted view about who he is, it's easy for them to doubt and hard for them to trust. See, if you really know that God is a forgiving God, then when you make a mistake, it's an easy thing to do to go to him and say, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing. Would you please forgive me and help me be a better man? If I really believe he's forgiving, if I really believe he's judgmental, when I do the wrong thing, then I have to hide. Then I have to have excuses. Uh, uh, then then I have to, I have to um, negotiate with God. You see, 
doubt is a misunderstanding about who God is that causes me to react to him in an improper way. Faith is a clear understanding who God is that inspires me to relate to him in a healthy and good way. The second, um, the second uh, challenge to faith is uh, my imagination. Are you a what-ifer? Uh, uh, look, if you're a what-ifer, there's no end to what-ifing. If, there is no end. There is always another what-if. You can't ever answer every what-if question. And this idea of my imagination manufacturing all these what-ifs, they are challenges to my faith. Um, uh, I've had many people say, what if this happens and what if that happens? And they're always bad what-ifs. How, how come I can't hear a couple of good what-ifs once in a while? What if God did everything you ever... Uh, 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 what if God gave you all of your heart's desires? What if God blessed you beyond your imagination? Uh, do you see what I'm saying? There is a... There's a problem with our imagination that we can imagine enough what-ifs that it undermines our, our trust in the goodness and in the grace of God. And then the third one is uh, my emotions. My emotions can be an, a challenge to my faith. Um, it's really hard to exercise faith when you're angry. Huh? All right, let's remind ourselves. Faith is a belief about who God is that causes me to act in a certain way. If I believe all these good things about God, but I give in to anger, it undermines my faith. Do you see that? If I give in to resentment, it undermines my faith. It's just hard to be resentful and have these good thoughts about God. One pushes the other out. Good thoughts about God push out resentment, or resentment pushes out good thoughts about God. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Faith pleases God because it draws on his unchanging nature. Faith pleases God because I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, make myself good enough for him. I'm saying there's something so good about your nature, I can't ever achieve it. And so I'm trusting your divine nature and not my own flawed nature. You see that? And that pleases God. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity, no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Now, some of you can relate to this, and, and some of you, uh, it, it misses you. Um, have you ever said to yourself, I'll never do that again? I will never do that again. How did that work out for you? 
Or have you ever said to yourself, the next time I'm gonna do, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna say the, the, the gentle thing. A, a, a soft answer turneth away much wrath. I'm gonna say the gentle thing. And then you get caught up in the moment. You never know how bad you are until you have tried really, really, really hard to be good and failed. Now, Lewis says this is a good thing because in that moment, I have the realization that my faith says God is able to make me better than I'm able to make myself. Every failure is a whisper of God that says to your soul, I have something better for you. Every, every regret is a divine call on the cell phone of your heart saying, I have something better for you. Do you hear this? Faith is the virtue that believes that my failures tell me I need God and God is willing to do for me exceedingly and abundantly what I'm above what I'm able to ask or think. Let's talk about faith in, in three ways. The faith of thinking. We get into habits of thinking. Some of you recognize the tapes you play. Some of you aren't self-aware enough to recognize the tapes you play. But we all have habits of thinking. We all have uh, tapes we play in our head. Uh, uh, listen. It would be a Christian virtue to you start paying attention to how you think and adding to your daily thought habit thoughts about God. Just adding to your daily thought habits thoughts about God. Uh, takes me about a half hour to get to work and uh, um, uh, I often listen to sports talk radio driving here at home. Uh, Sometimes it's just too annoying and I turn it off. Can't take one more idiot on the radio. Um, I mean that in a Christian kind of way. <laughs> but sometimes I'm driving, the radio is off, and uh, I, I have a habit of uh, thinking about the nature of God. So I memorized a short passage from Exodus, the Lord, the Lord God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. All right. And then I just, I just turned that into a thought about God. God, you are the Lord. I want, I want you to have more influence in my life. I want to follow you more closely. I want to do more of what you want me to do. You are gracious. It is your heart's desire to treat me better than what I deserve. I'm not doing so well in these areas of my life. Would you be gracious to me? You see what I'm saying? Faith is an act of thinking about the nature of God and who he is. I am exercising faith every time I meditate on the nature of God. 
Now remember, Lewis says, I become more of what I do every day. The more I exercise faith, the more faith I have. The more faith I have, the more faithful I become. Let's talk about faith as an emotion. Faith as an emotion is turning the heart toward virtues and away from unhealthy emotions. We are all subject to unhealthy emotions. In that moment where I am aware that an unhealthy emotion is affecting me, it is an act of faith for me to turn away from that emotion and to turn to something more vir virtuous. Okay, I feel myself being angry about something. Uh, I, I feel like uh, I wanna say uh, something uh, uh, snotty to someone. All right, in that moment, I can act in faith and I can turn my heart away from that impulse and I can turn my heart toward a better impulse. Instead of saying something snide, I'm gonna say something encouraging. Do you see? Those are moments where I get to practice my faith and turn from uh, uh, the unhealthy emotion and turn toward the emotions that, are, uh, that have uh, th uh, the best influence in my life. Let's talk about faith as an act of choosing. Faith is an act of choosing when I consciously decide to obey divine instructions whatever mood I'm in. When I'm in a good mood, it's easy to love my neighbor. When I'm in a bad mood, it's just as easy for me not to like my neighbor at all. I don't mean literally my neighbor, I mean love your neighbor as yourself, right? When I'm in a good mood, uh, everybody seems better to me. When I'm in a bad mood, the world seems full of ugly people to me, right? Uh, faith is consciously choosing that I'm going to obey God and what he said no matter how I feel in the moment. So God said, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't feel like loving my neighbor as myself, so I act in faith and I say to God, Help me to obey your teaching because I know you're right, even though I don't feel it right now. The virtue of faith is me thinking, me um, turning toward healthy emotions, and me choosing to obey God in a practical daily way, day after day after day. And as we do that, we grow in our faith and we become the people God died on the cross to make us. And by the way, uh, Lewis says, this is an eternal process. Throughout all eternity, we will experience uh, becoming more and more of who God created us to be. By faith, we practice the second virtue, forgiveness. What is, what is forgiveness? It's surrendering my right to get even. It's surrendering my right to despise someone. Lewis says, forgiveness is a form of charity. 
It's truly a form of grace, treating somebody better than what they deserve. Um, and then Lewis brings up in his book the concept of um, love the person and hate the sin. And he made a very interesting comment about it. I'd like to read it to you. He said, I used to ask, how can you hate what a man did and not hate the man? He said, but years later it occurred to me that there was one man to whom I had been doing this all my life, namely myself. Is that interesting? In our very own nature, we learn this idea. I have often I have often been angry with myself about something I did or didn't do. But that didn't make me hate myself. I could love the sinner and not like the sin. This is the idea of the, the more I come to recognize my own flaws, the easier it is to forgive others. The more I am deceived about my own goodness, the harder it is to forgive others. Church? Forgiveness pleases God because it's an act of faith. I trust God to deal with the person who I forgive and I surrender my impulse to pay them back. In every act of forgiveness, there is a great moment of faith where we simply say, dear God, I trust this into your hands. I cannot handle this properly. My heart is deceiving me. I'm thinking, I'm thinking unhealthy thoughts. I cannot handle this myself. I am asking you to do a better work in my heart, and I am letting this go. I am releasing it trusting you to do what is best. And then I have to act that way. I give up my right to, be dis to, to despise a person. I give up my right to be angry. I give up my right to be insulting. And I give that all to God, and I give the person forgiveness. Lewis says that um, the biggest obstacle to sin is pride, and pride is the cancer of the human soul. Is that interesting? The biggest reason I won't forgive is my pride. My pride holds on to things it shouldn't hold on to. So in an act of faith, we surrender this pride, and we say to God, help me to let go of this and trust you to do what is right. Will not the God of all the earth do what is right? Okay. Forgiveness does not mean we ignore justice, but rather we trust divine justice. Now please don't think forgiveness means that uh, there's no justice. There is forgiveness and justice. Can you hear this? I've seen it uh, on... Uh, uh, um, uh, the news several times. I saw a mother whose son was murdered 
say in court at the where at where the parents get to speak she said um uh she spoke to the defendant and said uh justice requires you spend a long time in jail but i want you to know every day you're there that i have forgiven you see her her, her forgiveness didn't do away with justice justice and forgiveness go together they don't exclude each other Forgiveness does not mean I continually expose myself to harm and pain, but rather I seek divine wisdom to protect myself without becoming like the one who sinned against me. Um, if Without forgiveness, I become more and more like the person who wronged me because I'm holding their action in my head when I should be letting it go. You get it? The more I hold that action in my head, the more it forms me. Uh, without forgiveness, I become like the person that hurt me. Through forgiveness, I let it go. All right. Now, please listen to this. I do not want you to misunderstand this. And ladies, I'd, li I'd like to speak to you specifically for a minute. Forgiveness does not mean God expects you to be abused in your home. Abuse in the home is not a form of forgiveness. It is a brokenness of soul. God did not create you to be um, the, the, the person that somebody vents their ugliness on day after day. Uh, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that you shouldn't protect yourself and take yourself out of harm's way. You can forgive a person and, um, and uh, not let them into your life. Uh, I've seen some ladies in this church treated horribly, and they had it in their head that somehow or another they were doing the right thing because they were forgiving. They were forgiving was what they do, were doing wasn't real forgiveness, and it did great damage to themselves. Church, forgiveness does not mean I continually expose myself to harm and pain. Forgiveness does mean that the person who has harmed me, I keep a safe distance from, but I, I release my right to be resentful, angry, and get even. Church, forgiveness is faith because Christ said he forgives us as we forgive others. Do you hear this? If you can't forgive someone else, it's hard for you to accept forgiveness from Christ. It turns out the quicker I forgive, the easier it is for me to feel Christ's forgiveness. The less I forgive, the harder it is for me to feel Christ's forgiveness. By faith, we practice the virtue of charity. The word charity is very interesting. It comes from the Greek word charis. And charis is um, grace. It is um, undeserved love. Uh, it's treating people better than what they deserve. I treat people better than what they deserve as an act of faith. I practice the virtue of faith 
every time I treat somebody better than what they deserve. Um, Lewis says, um, grace is a state of being, not of feeling. It's an act of the will, not of the emotions. Grace is, I actively choose to think about God as the one who has treated me better than what I deserve and given me the ability to treat others better than what they deserve. It is a trusting in God that when I treat others better than what they deserve, God acts in my life in a meaningful way. You get it? Charity is a form of love. Charity is an act of faith, and it seeks divine help. Uh, listen to what Lewis wrote. The rule for all of us is simply perfect. I mean, it's perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you behave as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. You act in a loving way and your heart will follow. You act in an unloving way and your heart will follow. Charity is an act of faith and it seeks divine resources. Do you hear this? My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Charity is an act of faith because every time I do something generous, I'm saying to God, I trust that you have more than enough to take care of me and make up for this. Church, uh, I've never known anyone to go, uh, 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 to go bankrupt uh, by being generous. We don't go bankrupt by being generous. We go uh, uh, bankrupt by uh, uh, not being generous. When I act in a generous way, I am practicing the virtue of faith because I'm looking up to God and saying, everything I have, you gave me to begin with. And because you have taken such good care of me, I'm capable of helping someone else. Every time I can't be generous, I'm actually saying to God, dear God, I think you're too tight, and if I give this away, you won't reimburse me, and I'll go in the hole. I mean, we, not, we may not actually say that, but that's what we're saying to God. We're saying, God, you're cheap, and I'm not sure I can make up for this myself. But every act of generosity is an act of faith that says to God, the same God who gave me this is capable of providing me more. I'm not losing anything by being generous. I'm gaining something. Generosity is a virtue that the more you practice it, the more you want to practice it. The less you practice it, the less you want to practice it. It's kind of like working out. The more you work out, the more you want to. The less you work out, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. the more you say, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. There's always next week. All right. The faith to be generous pleases God 
because it draws on the goodness of God. Lewis says this, ask yourself, if I were sure that I loved God, what would I do? If you were absolutely sure that you loved God, what would you do? He says, then, when you have found the answer, go and do it. Lewis says, ask yourself, if I were sure I loved God, what would I do? And he said, when you have the answer, go and do it. Uh, that is the virtue of faith. The virtue of faith says, because I know and love God, I have this sense that it would be pleasing for, me, for him for me to do the things he wants me to do and then go and do it because every time I do a virtuous act, I become more and more of the person God created me to be. You get this? If you want to be the person God wants you to be, then you have to pay attention to your daily life. And you got to start practicing the things that God said make you a good person. And you got to start letting go of the things that God says inhibit you and put you on the wrong pathway. Christian behavior is doing what God directs us to do because our true faith is in Him. Christian virtue is like uh, practicing for a sport. If you want to play in the big game, you have to practice correctly throughout the week. I want to play in the big game. Someday there's going to be a great game. It's going to be uh, life forever in the presence of God. I want to play in that game. I want to be in on that day. And to, to be a great player on that day I have to practice Christian virtues today. And the more you do, the better you become the person God wants you to be. The be more beautiful your life is, the better things work around you, the more desirable you are as a person, uh, the more encouraging and the more, uh, 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 the more, uh, uh, more of a blessing to everyone you meet. Our dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would stir up within us a new desire to practice Christian virtue. I pray that all our virtue would be an expression of our great faith in you. That our virtue would not be us trying to prove ourselves to you, but our virtue would be you proving yourself to us. You showing yourself strong in our lives you nurturing what is best and calling what is best and most beautiful out of us. Then, Father, I pray that as we practice these virtues, we would become the beautiful souls that you created us to be. And I ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.